Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily and welcome to Master Leadership Through Crisis series, where we will connect with leaders worldwide to gain insights on important questions to help us navigate through rough waters. If you would like to participate as a guest, or if you have a question that you would like to ask a guest, go to masterleadership.org for more information. Stephen Van Belligem is an expert in customer centricity in the digital world. He is a highly sought after speaker and over the last five years, he has given more than 1,000 keynotes in 40 countries. His books have sold more than 140,000 copies, and his latest book is featured as a must-read by 2020 in Forbes. He believes that one of the keys to effective leadership is focusing on great customer experience by delighting your customers with the human touch and creating an offer people can't resist. Welcome, Stephen Van Belligam. How are you? I'm good, Lily. Thanks for having me on your show. Well, we're excited to have you. Are you ready to pour into our listeners? Absolutely. I'm looking awesome. forward to it. All right. So, uh, Stephen, tell us a bit about your path to leadership and what you're doing now. All right. Let's say my entire career, I've been focusing on trying to learn how customer behavior works and how technology plays a role in that. I've done that in multiple functions. I started as a researcher in a small research agency and became there one of the managing partners and worked there for 12 years. After that, I became my own boss. Together with my wife, I started our own speaking business and the company where I do all my book writing in. And next to that, I started two companies. One is called Nextworks, which is an inspiration organization where we try to inspire people to get ready for the day after tomorrow. And uh, there we have a team of about 12 to 15 people. And then uh, I started a company called Snagbytes, which is a social media agency It's now part of the largest digital agency in the Benelux in Europe. It's an agency now of about 1,500 people, but the Snagbytes team is about 35. And I'm a board member in a number of companies as well. So that has been my journey. In terms of leadership, I had the pleasure to work for mainly smaller organizations that grew rapidly. I'm really the person that likes to start something and then builds a team and then tries to make customers happy by doing so. You know, one of the things that popped up for me is that no grass grows under your feet. (laughs) The starting companies, you're a speaker, you're an author. So tell us about the books that you've written and where we can grab some of those. Sure. I've written five books about customer experience. I wrote them in the past 11, 12 years. And, you know, they evolved with the trends in the market. The first one was called the conversation manager, which was mainly about the role of social media and customers. My last book that came out about a year ago is called The Offer You Can't Refuse, which is about how you can bring value to customers on multiple levels. Today, 
People are not just looking for a good product at a good price anymore. They expect more. A good product price is important, but that's a minimum demand. And so is digital convenience. It's a minimum demand. It's something that people expect that you have these days. If you don't have it, you're going to be in trouble. If you have it, you can stay in the race, but you won't win the race, right? So how to differentiate towards the market today is what really fascinates me. And I discovered that there are two dimensions that people value and that they will increase to value in the future. One is called partner and life strategies, where you try to bring a more broader kind of service to the market that you don't just focus on your product, but that you go beyond that. It's like from selling cars to becoming a mobility partner. If you have a gym, it's from running a gym to becoming a lifestyle partner and a healthcare partner, for instance. So how can you broaden that based on the knowledge that you have of the human behind the customer? That's an important criteria there. The second dimension to win the market these days is by adding value to society. A lot of customers really understand that there are a lot of global challenges and local challenges as well. And people expect organizations to take their responsibility and to become part of the solution. So in that book, I describe how those four layers from a good product price, digital convenience, partner in life, changing the world, how those four each individually bring value to the market. But if you bring them together in one storyline and one experience, it becomes an offer people can't refuse. And that's what I've been working on in terms of content in the last year, two years. You know, I love how you've evolved. You talked about customer experience. And then, you know, some of the key things that you mentioned is that you bring value to people. The fact that you started off as a researcher, to me, says that you're highly curious and incredible visionary because whatever it is that you were working on, you want to expand it. I love that you focus on humans because it's about relationships. These are all leadership skills or pillars that we need to really focus on. And lastly, how you talk about adding value to society. And, you know, some of the things that I'm looking at right now is quantum leadership. And I'm learning about it. It's about expanding our vision and our footprint and how we lead organizations. And so you're certainly in that realm. And I love it. How How can we connect with you? You can connect with me on almost every social network. I share a lot on LinkedIn. I share a lot on YouTube, Instagram. My website has a blog section. I put there new articles every week and it's all linked to my name. So if you have Stephen Van Belleghem and you add that on Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn or .com behind it, that's where you can find me. Van Belleghem, it's V-A-N-B as in boy, E-L-L-E-G-H-E-M. Stephen with a V, right? It is absolutely right. And it's a terrible name to work internationally because no one can remember that. So that's a challenge that I have to overcome. So thanks for spelling that out. I have to learn to pronounce it. Can you imagine? But I'm a quick learner. Anyway, so um, Stephen, you know, we're recovering from the global pandemic, COVID-19, I think, right? And we're dealing with other types of issues. And I'm certain that you've learned a couple of things. So can you share any quotes, advice, or practice that helps you most during crisis? Absolutely. You know, can I answer that in two ways, in a like macro kind of way and then a more tangible kind of way? Well, that's how you think, don't you? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's how I think. And, you know, I think if you look back to March 2020, when the pandemic started, it wasn't just the entrance of a virus. If you look to what really happened, it was the end of routines in the world. You, me, we all had our routines, right? We had our jobs, our hobbies, our travel plans, things with children, your pets. You know, everyone had their routine. And then suddenly, from one moment to another, that completely stopped. 
So that was the first time in our lives that on the entire planet, everyone had to push stop and didn't know what the next day would look like. And we ended up in some sort of a world where everything changed every day and we had to adapt all the time and we couldn't find a new rhythm that could make us feel at ease again in our mind. And we're approaching the end of the pandemic, at least I hope we are. Stephen, I keep (laughs) saying that every single episode because we don't know. (laughs) <laughs> we don't know. We don't know. So the routine is not back yet. And it may take another year or two years before we're again in that easygoing routine that we know what our life will look like. And I believe this is a huge opportunity for leaders. I mean, that means that you now can define what that new routine will look like. To break a routine and to install a new one, that's really hard. But now there are no routines, which means that you can create them yourself and you don't have to wait until the future happens and until someone else does that for you. Every one of us, every listener has the capability to now redefine routines. And when the dust starts to settle and when we leave this twilight zone that we're in right now, I believe the winners will be those people and those organizations that really set a new kind of routine. And I find that so fascinating to see because we don't have a clue what that will be like, but it's going to be different than before. Uh, That's the one thing that is certain. And I love that we can create it too. We can create it. And you never will have another opportunity like this again in your career that you have like a white piece of paper that you can start from again. And that's what I like. Yeah. That's the macro perspective. If I dive into what really helps me in crisis, because in all honesty, when the crisis started, I was used to having a filled agenda with keynote presentations all over the world. And then suddenly it went blank, right? So, and that this happened to many people. It wasn't just me, but I panicked and I was a little bit depressed. And I had this feeling that I would be out of a job for at least 18 months. I thought this is game over. My life as I liked it may never return again. And it took me one or two weeks to get over that. And I couldn't sleep at night. So when I can't sleep, I wake up like at four in the morning. And then I went for long walks. I went like for four or five hour walks. And after a week, I suddenly thought, you know, I'm not going to go down without defending my position here. I don't want to go down without a fight. So I told my wife, as I mentioned, we worked together. I said, you know what? If I think about the core of my passion, The core of my passion is not giving keynote speeches. The core of my passion is to create and share ideas about customer experience and customer leadership. And I can still do that from our house here in Belgium. So I decided to dive into everything I could find and try to bundle every piece of knowledge that I found and create more content than ever, videos, articles. And it got picked up more than ever. And it felt like at that moment that I was one of the only people that was doing that because the others were waiting until something would come to them. And I decided I'm going to go and be proactive here. And that really paid off for me. You know, after six or seven weeks being in the pandemic, my business returned. It was all digital. It still is digital today. And I'm fine with that. But I actually had one of my best years ever. I had a good business result and I had more time with my family than ever. So I'm very happy and thankful that that was my approach. I think most of us felt that way at the beginning. You became creative in that space too, right? Because sometimes we're moving and we don't stop to think. And I know that this has certainly taught me to be still, at least to embed that in my day, a little piece of being still and having that time to think instead of doing all the time. And all these 
creative, amazing things have flourished because of it, even though, you know, a lot of people did have a hard time or are continuing mm. to have a hard time now. But the creativity level has certainly risen. So thank you so much for sharing that. Now, as a lifelong learner, Stephen, what are you learning right now? There's always so many things that I try to learn from. A couple of things I learned from trying to find a new balance in my calendar because in many European markets, we have in-person events again, and we can travel almost freely in Europe. So I'm getting more and more questions for really cool things in countries like Portugal and the Nordics and Italy. And I love to do that. But at the same time, I don't want to go back to where I was of jumping on a plane five times a week and not having breakfast and dinner with my family during the week, I would miss that tremendously. If I think back, it's crazy that I did that for all those years. And uh, I don't want to go back there. But at the other end, these opportunities are so nice, and I really like doing them. So figuring out the balance, that is something that I personally have to learn now, saying when am I going to say yes, when am I going to say no, and refinding that balance is probably one of the more difficult things for me to do right now. That's interesting because at the beginning, right, we didn't see that opportunity or possibility at all. Now, Stephen, when you think of leadership today, what most concerns you and what are you most hopeful about? What most concerns me is the danger that people would become afraid to do something. If you look at it, that is positive for their teams or for society, but that they become too afraid to do it or to communicate about it because it's, in their opinion, not perfect yet. Mm. Uh, there are a lot of leaders that have great ideas, but you never you know, build Rome in one day. It's usually a journey before you get right. there. Right. And, and that's fine. I mean, that's normal. And describing your journey and taking people with you on that journey, I think that's crucial. But I see a lot of people that are afraid to do that because if you say something linked to climate change, for instance, and you say, hey, this is something that we're going to do, and this is our journey for the next three years, instantly there are a lot of people that become so critical to that initiative that they burn it down just because it's not perfect yet from day one. And because of that, a lot of good ideas don't see the daylight. And I'm concerned about that, that because of all the public pressure and the easiness to destroy good ideas from behind a computer, that a lot of people are not standing up anymore and are afraid to really come up with their leadership thoughts and their ideas. That's a concern and that's a missed opportunity. Mm -hmm. Now, the other end of your question was, what are you most hopeful for? I'm very hopeful that a lot of leaders today really want to do things differently than before. I think that the awareness of the global challenges that we're facing, like the fighting against discrimination, geopolitical issues, climate change. I mean, there's so many things that are on our table. And almost every business leader that I meet understands that and tries to be part of the solution. And I believe that it's something that the market expects. It's something that employees expect. And it's going to become a driver of positive change in the next decade. I think that once we're in 2030, we will look back to this COVID situation and say that was a turning point when we really started to change and did things differently for the better with a good positive intent and look where we are today. That's where I'm very hopeful for. This phrase keeps coming up for me that change is inevitable, right? We'll always have to change, but growth Mm -hmm. is optional. 
And that's a choice that we make. Now you said something that is so spot on that fear stops people from growing, from moving, from making choices that would help other people. What are some things that we can do to combat fear? It's a very difficult one because our mind is programmed in the wrong way. It's it's like, imagine that you get 100 emails on a day and 99% of them are positive or neutral, but one of them is a really negative one. Someone is attacking you and it makes you feel really bad. Right. When you wake up in the middle of the night, you're not thinking about the 99 positive mails. You're <laughs> thinking one. about this one negative one, right? Yes. If we would be robots, we would say, oh, it's a wonderful day. 99% of everything that we got was positive. I mean, if you put it in a graph, it's like, wow, this is huge. But for humans, we give so much more weight to negativity that we, after a while, the danger is that you start to think that the negativity becomes the average. And that's never true. There are more positive-minded people out there than negative-minded people, but we take it more for granted when it's positive. The challenge that we have as leaders is to really focus on these positive intentions, people that are willing to follow us, people that are supporting us. And that doesn't mean that they cannot ask critical questions. That's perfectly fine. But to build and to make you stronger and to try to ignore all the people that try to pull you down. Usually those people didn't do anything themselves. It's just out of frustration or a negative reason. So the challenge is to block that out of your life and just focus on people with a positive mindset, trying to help you to build, to become better and to support your mission. That's the mindset that we need. And some people can do that easily, but for most of us, that's a real challenge. And, you know, I know for me, I need people in my inner circle. I need my coach to tap into because I'm not positive every single moment of every single day. And so it's helpful because it gives me tools you know, having a coach, having an inner circle is vital to leadership. Now you have an option here, Stephen, you can either take a question from a former guest, or you can share a challenge or struggle that you learned from. Oh, that's a difficult one. I'll go uh, a question from a former guest. I'm very curious what that will be. Okay. All right. So Evans Kerrigan wants to know in a hybrid work world, How do you honor, respect, celebrate, and achieve alongside those you work with? Well, it's one of the top topics right now. I don't know how it is in the United States, but in most markets over here in Europe, people are returning to the office. And it's a challenge all over the place. Some people don't want to come back to the office. Other people are enjoying it. Some companies are forcing people to come back. And like the common ground at the end of the day, people are like, you know what? We found a solution. You can work from home two days a week and the other three, you have to come to the office. I think that's ridiculous to look at it that way. It's different for every individual. So the real question that we need to ask ourselves is how can we bring relevance and value and convenience to each individual member of the team? And that will be different for me and you. Maybe you like to go every day to the office and maybe I only like to go when it's really needed. And it's perfectly fine that that's not the same for you and me, as long as we support the overall goals and objectives of the organization. And of course, I understand that you need to celebrate and that you need to spend time together. So 100% remote work, I don't think that's a good idea. But you know what? In IT, you have many people that are like, 
and maybe I'm too black and white here, but that are like introverts that really enjoy working on their programs and that really enjoyed the fact that they were at home. And they're like, why should I ever go back to the office? I didn't talk with anyone. I'm just programming. You have to figure out a way for them as well to involve them and to make maybe a celebration in a different way for them. But I would say the crucial skill that you need here is empathy and listening. Love it. It's so hard for me to define what the answer would be for members of my team. I don't know their context. I don't know their private situation. I don't know what they find important unless I ask them and I listen to that. And that would be my first step. Just listen to the people that you have, see how they see it, how they would like to organize it and and start from there rather than saying, oh, we're going to go with two days at home, three days in the office. It doesn't make sense to think like that. Well, you know, I have to tell you that you're really good at connecting. I've just known you for a few minutes, but, you know, I really watch and I really listen and your words, your gestures, who you are, that love, that empathy, I'm connecting with it. So you're so good at it because we're so far away. We are. yeah. (laughs) And yet I feel so connected. That's so nice. I'm really enjoying our conversation. Yes, I am too. All right, Stephen. So as a listener of this podcast, what's a question that you would like a future leadership guest to respond to? What are you curious about? That's a very good one. I'm very curious for the other leaders that you have to see how they deal with opposing interests. That's an item that really fascinates me. Sometimes there's an opposing interest between a client and an organization, or there's an opposing interest between an employee and an organization or between society and an organization. And I see a lot of organizations that have like their mission statement, and it's really beautiful and beautifully said. But in my opinion, it's only when you have an opposing interest and you define the decision and the behavior when there's an opposing interest that you really know if they're serious about their mission statement or not. So I would love to hear how they think about the concept of opposing interests and how they deal with that. Is that a good question? That's a great question. I will certainly be asking that very soon. All right. (laughs) Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? I just hope that people can find the energy and the motivation to keep on going, even if it's tough and even if they don't see the end of the tunnel yet. My advice to everyone, as I mentioned before, look to the core of your passion. And usually, if you find that, you can still do a lot of things, even if other things are not allowed or not possible yet, or it's not working out like you want. Just go back to the core of your passion and see how you can start from there and start working on that. That can bring energy to you. That's a great way to close with energy. Thank you so much for adding value to me and to our listeners. It's been a great conversation. Thank you so much for having me. It was a great pleasure to be here. In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.